This morning, our scripture passage comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 4 through 17 in the New Living Translation, and also Luke chapter 1, chapter, or verses 30 through 33, also in the New Living Translation. I invite you to look to the screens or follow along in your Bibles. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? No, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of the heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they have done in the past, starting from the time I, w I appointed judges to rule my people Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings, for, you die, for when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with a rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. From the Gospel of Luke. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of your ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It is great to see all of you here today. How many of you, be honest, enjoyed a Snickers bar or a peanut butter cup with your coffee this morning? I know you won't admit it. At home, I bet you're all indulging right now because we can't see you. It's breakfast of champions. You do know that any candy that has peanuts or peanut product in it makes a complete meal because you've got your protein, you've got your dairy, you've got everything right in that Snickers bar. 
Well, this morning we are continuing our series, God's Story, Finding Your Story in God's Story. And today, as we heard from Scrappy already, we are seeing that God's story really is also our story. I want to give some context to where we are because last week we had Hannah having Samuel and giving him back to the Lord of the temple and a whole lot has happened between then and now. Second Samuel begins with David mourning the death of Saul, King Saul, and Jonathan in chapter one. And Jonathan was David's best friend. In chapter two, uh, David is anointed king of Judah the Philistines initiated hostilities against David, but he defeated them with God's help in chapter 5. Then David brought the Ark of the Covenant from Israel to Jerusalem to prevent the Philistines from capturing it in chapter 6. And now, in chapter 7, having spent many years freeing his country from outside military threats, David is now in a time of peace. He now has time to ponder some more domestic issues, like building a dream house for God. Now, our text appears at first to be just a story about God denying David the privilege of building a temple and promising that David's son Solomon, who's not born yet, will build it. However, that is just an introduction to the story. It's not the main point. This is one of the most consequential stories in all of the Old Testament, equal to God establishing a covenant with Abraham or calling Moses from the burning bush. In this story, God promises David a dynasty, a line of kings descended from David. God says, I will establish the throne of your kingdom forever. This story, then, is like the story of God's covenant with Abraham back in Genesis, because God promises David that God has chosen him to receive a forever blessing. However, after Solomon's death, the kingdom will split into the northern and southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom Israel, it's going to come to an end when Assyria defeats Israel and deports its people. And then the southern kingdom, it will come to an end with the Babylonian exile. So this forever promise seems like it's not going to last very long. But what appears on the surface to be a simple promise of a dynasty for David will turn out to be something far more significant. This and other promises made by God to David will ultimately be fulfilled by Jesus the son of David, the Messiah. The early church will see this story and promise made by God to David as the foundation for the church, the new people of God, the new Israel. Please pray with me. Lord, as we look at this story of your forever promise to David, may we see how his story has informed our own story. Your promise went far beyond what David ever asked for. Open our hearts and our minds to the message that you have for each of us today, and may we have a deeper understanding of what your promises mean for us. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a great idea for a gift for someone? Maybe your love language is gift giving and finding that perfect gift gives you great joy. Or maybe you wanted to show your appreciation by performing some act of service. I had a great aunt, Aunt Flory, who would send us as kids Christmas gifts that honestly, we could not figure out what they were. She lived in a retirement community and would go to the craft bazaar and buy things that were just unrecognizable to us. There might be some fabric and some zippers and some buttons or, I don't know, just some crazy things. And we really appreciated the thought and they did give us good conversation starters. What do you think it is? What do you think this could be used for? Well, in our story about David today, he wants to do something for God. He wants to build him a permanent dwelling place. In verses 4 to 7, God tells the prophet Nathan to go tell David that he never asked for a building to replace the tent. The tent or tabernacle it suited the Israelites when they were in the wilderness and they were having to pack up and move at a moment's notice. And so it would make sense that David would assume that now they were settled, that it would be appropriate to build a temple to replace this tabernacle. It was a good thought. David had pure motives. So why didn't God affirm the offer and let him build that temple? It wasn't that God didn't want a temple because we see later on that he does have King Solomon build that magnificent temple. It's because God had other plans for David and we're gonna see those in later verses. As I read these verses this week, I was struck with a question that had never occurred to me before. How many times do I go ahead and do what God never asked me to do. It seemed like a good idea. It would be something that would honor him, something that would please him. One commentator said, it is the utmost importance that we should, we should ever test our desires, even the highest and holiest of them, by his will. Work excellent in itself should never be undertaken except at the express command of God. And I've also run into situations where I have others tell me what they think God has told them for me to do. I was uh, asked by a Bible study leader years ago, not a part of this church, uh, to take on an administrative position for the organization, but I never felt that God was calling me to do this. She kept asking me over and over to keep praying about it because she was sure I was the one. I never felt like I was the one. So she finally let go of this idea, and months later, the ministry position here opened up, and I was able to step into that. Had I listened to this woman and ignored what I thought God was calling me to do, I wouldn't have been available or able to take on the children and family pastor position over 20 years ago. I listened to God. 
There are times when we don't know what God is calling us to do though, right? I had, ha I'd had that happen too. For me in those times, I usually argue with God that he's picked the wrong person or that I'm too busy, but I know in my heart that it's his will. So how do you know? If you don't have a prophet like Nathan to come and give you God's word, how do you know? I think that's one of the biggest questions I get asked by people. How do we discern, as Pastor John was saying, what God's will is for us? Well, being in constant prayer and having a posture of complete openness to whatever his will would be, which is kind of scary, is key to knowing his will. Being willing to submit will allow us to hear his voice a lot clearer. Now, as flawed as David was, he was still a man after God's own heart. And if we are men and women after God's heart, I believe he will reveal his will to us. Now, after God says no thank you to David, he reminds him of where he has come from. Verse 8 says, I took you from tending sheep in my pasture and selected you to be a leader of my people Israel. He had been with David all along. He wants to remind him, I was with you in that pasture, I was with you in those battles, and I am with you now. You know, we all know that it's true that David's name became famous throughout all the earth and all the world all these years, don't we? He promised him his name would be great because we're still talking about him today. God keeps his promises. God took David from pasture to throne. So why is God reminding David of these humble beginnings? Why would that be? so that David understands he has nothing to do with any success. Nothing was about David. It was all about God. God chose David. He was an unlikely choice for king. There was nothing about David that would have qualified him for such a position, nothing except a heart for God. So when the prophet Samuel was looking at all of David's brothers going to go choose the next king of Israel, this is what God said to Samuel. He said, I look at the heart. Do not consider his appearance or his height, meaning those brothers, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. David was the last one to be thought of. He wasn't even in the house when Samuel was there. He was out in the pasture. They had to go get him because Samuel said, do you have another son? Because God has rejected all of these. And in a way, I think we all can relate, and I can definitely relate. When I began my ministry here over 20 years ago, there was nothing about me that qualified me for that position. And nothing would suggest that I would uh, have the appearance of a pastor. And I told God this many times, but in my heart, 
I knew it was his will, and I had to trust him to equip me to do whatever he called me to do. He reminded me that his power is made perfect in my weakness, and he has had many opportunities to prove that point. In verses 10 to 11, God promises David two things, that David's reign under, that David's reign would, God would establish a permanent and secure Israel, and he promised to David that a house, he was going to give David a house, the house of David, not a physical residence, but a family dynasty like the house of Windsor or the house of Grimaldi or the house of Steele. But the house of David is an eternal one. This was an enduring legacy for David long after his death. In verse 12, he goes on to state that after David dies, an offspring, which will be Solomon, he would build the temple that David wanted to build. God himself would correct Solomon when he sins, but God will not turn from him either. The house of David will be secure forever. God remains uh, faithful to David's family and David, even when they are not faithful to God. This promise is unconditional because it's all on God. This great promise had only a future fulfillment for David. He would not see it. He would only experience it through faith. So how does David's story connect to our story? Is there one aspect of this that resonates with you right now? Is there something you can think of that maybe you are trying to do for God, but he hasn't really asked you to do it? Many times when we're experiencing burnout, it's because we're doing something that someone else is supposed to be doing. Sometimes our desires are for someone else, like David's was for Solomon. You know, it was years later before God told David why he couldn't build that temple. At that point, David just had to trust that God knew best. And I think about our church. Are we ever trying to do something that God has not called us to do? Many times we think that we're starting this new needed ministry or we're continuing a ministry and they may be really good things, but they might not be what God's asked our church to do. We are always comparing ourselves, aren't we? We want to look busy and active. We want to do what other successful, we think successful churches are doing. We want to keep up. We want to do for God, but sometimes that's not what God wants us to do. Maybe if we have a time of waiting, which we all kind of have right now, on him, something much more impactful will be presented to us, and we need to be available to do that. We definitely all need to commit to pray, as Pastor Paul was talking about, for our will individually and our church to be God's will. Today, again, after church for 20 minutes, we have the opportunity to stay after and have a time of prayer. 
but certainly we each should be committing to each day praying for this church and praying for God's will to be clear and discerned. Do you believe that God wants you to, to use you for a purpose that is far beyond what you ever thought? Do you believe that all is required is that you have a heart for God and he can use you to do amazing things? He took David from being a shepherd to a king. Whatever God is calling you or I to do, he will equip us. He did that for David. You know, almost every day I wake up knowing that I am in way over my head and lots of other people are far more qualified to do what I do. But I also know that at this time, God has called me and that he will accomplish his will through me if I let him. Maybe you're either not listening to God or you're arguing with God about what he wants you to do for his kingdom. I would encourage you to submit your will to him today. And have you given much thought to your posterity, not prosperity? God promised an everlasting legacy to David. And I think about the pictures and names that we saw a few minutes ago up here on the screen. Each one had a spiritual legacy. I don't know if they left behind money or possessions, but I do know that each of them passed on a legacy of what it looks like to walk with Jesus in good times and in bad. Prosperity, it will fade away. Posterity is eternal. Your life and my life are meant for so much more than we could ever imagine. David did not see in his lifetime what his legacy would be. And it's the same for us. We don't know how our relationship with God will be used for generations to come. It's scary and it's kind of sobering. What stories about us will be passed down as faith stories for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren? Our life is not about us. It's about what God wants to accomplish through us, and we definitely saw that in David's life. The pain and the suffering, the joy and the blessings, are for more than our temporary life here on earth. As we read David's story beyond our text today, we see that he failed big time, many times. But we also see how he handled those failures as he continued to turn back to God. He is an example of how God can use anyone for his glory as long as our hearts are turned towards him. We know that that forever promise came to fruition in the birth, life, and death of Jesus, a descendant of David. You know, we will be celebrating the advent of that promised eternal king four 
weeks from today. Let's listen to those words from our gospel reading in Luke. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Please pray with me. Lord, show us today how we can apply the story of David to our story with you. Help us to be more aware and in tuned to your desires for us. May we be open to allowing you to use us in ways that we don't feel ready for. And may we focus more on what we leave behind that has eternal value than on what will fade away. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. May the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, Holy Spirit, may they bless you and keep you. May they make their face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may they follow you all the days of your life and grant you peace. Go in peace today and always, remembering the promises of God go with you. Amen.